You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM. You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM, Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Austin Fazy. Austin is a full-time student pursuing a career in photography. We'll be right back with Austin, but first let's talk about connection. I Yesterday I had coffee with a friend We ended up talking for a couple of hours about connection, genuine connection, as opposed to all of the ways that we feel like we're connecting, but we're not. I spent a lot of my 30s in graduate school, super busy, really happy, feeling really happy, like not feeling depressed at all. Run, 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 go, 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 go. Tons of friends. There was always somebody calling me and asking me, what are you doing? What's up? What should we do tonight? And I would actually, I feel like a jerk now, I'd actually say, Ah, why why do people just call me so much? Why don't they just make a plan and let me know what they're doing rather than ask me what I'm doing? Which is really jerky because all it meant is my friends love me and they want to hang out with me and see me. And instead, I'm busy thinking about what uh, my 101 things and the interruption in my day. But when uh, my dad died and I got really depressed, I realized most of those people are not your friends. They're people you do stuff with. And they're wonderful, and I was having a great time, but it was more a distraction from like a deeper experience of things and not necessarily real connection. And a lot of those friendships kind of dissipated. When you, when you stop calling people back and you feel really low, you have a few friends. And it's not to say the friends that don't connect and don't come track you down. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with that. When someone doesn't call you back four times, you, you could stop talking to them. That's totally reasonable. And so I've been, I was talking to this friend about making connections. And he said, I'm surprised to hear you say that because it does seem like, you know, you have a lot of friends that you guys just talk about stuff. Now, I do have close connections with a number of those friends, but I still always you have friends that the connection is a little more superficial and you love them and enjoy their company, but having a really deep connection is another thing. So I looked it up and this is from Deepak Chopra Center and it's 10 ways to deepen your connections with others. Number one, smile. Smiling at another person is one of the simplest ways to connect with them and it only takes a second. Make eye contact. When you make eye contact and choose to complete, be completely present with other people, it cultivates a level of trust and safety that allows them to open up even more. Schedule quality time. In today's world, there's a bigger emphasis on running around and getting things done than there is on making time to connect with others. Listen with your heart. When you can listen from your heart rather than your head, you're able to be present when someone else shares. When you feel heard, really heard, by another, it deepens your level of trust and connection with them. Actively love. The art of actively loving happens when you turn love into a verb instead of simply viewing it as a state. Practice doing things for and with people that demonstrate you love them. Communicate consciously. Relationships require open, compassionate, and conscious communication. Effective communication acts that you show up in the conversation without engaging in melodrama or blaming others or yourself. Dig deeper. 
Through doing your own personal development work, you come to know and understand yourself at a deeper level. As this journey unfolds, you inevitably learn more about those who play a role in your life experiences. Be present and focused on other. Ask people about their lives, their families, their hobbies, goals, and visions, then really listen to what they have to say. Establish goes and no-goes. Another profound way to connect with others is to dip below the surface and explore the deeper level of conversations that reveal other people's likes and dislikes. Be authentic. Another profound way to connect with others is to be authentically you. Practicing authenticity means being vulnerable. And I think that that was a big part of that time in my life where I was going and running and having tons of friends and having a lot of fun and actually feeling fantastic and not the least bit depressed. So one of the things I realized that depression does is it can teach you things. And the thing it taught me was that a lot of what I felt like were friendships and pretty close were just casual, you know, meet up, see them, go somewhere, do something, and that there wasn't a real conversation or a connection happening. And then another thing that I realized about it is that I was making that happen. I was not having a real connection because I was doing a lot of stuff and busy, busy, busy so that I didn't have to go deeper and didn't have to feel things I didn't want to feel. And that a lot of connection is allowing yourself to feel something that's not comfortable and feel something about yourself you don't like. So I hope that you guys can practice some of these wonderful ways of connecting. I I sometimes force myself to practice a little bit of making connection, like smiling at someone at the bus stop that I don't know, or being open with a friend and really letting them talk and not thinking about what I want to say. So on that note, I hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to the depression session. Today we have with us in the studio, Austin Fazy. Austin is a full-time student pursuing a career in photography. Hello, Austin. Welcome to the question Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what's new with you? What's going on in your world? I'm currently just going to school full-time. I'm pursuing a career in photography. So I've started a small little business. I built myself a website. I'm what's starting your website? to grow a portfolio. It's austinfazy.com. Pretty simple, just like my name. I kind of found photography when we were in Oaxaca, Mexico on a study abroad trip. I kind of really fell in love with the idea of capturing these little moments in time and and kind of taking a little glimpse in other people's worlds. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm, I've been really enjoying it. I've had a couple photo shoots with other people. I want to do pet photography at some point, um, kind of as a stable career path. And then I also want to travel and just take pictures of, of life in general as kind of a my own personal exploration of photography. So I know travel is something you really want to do. Yeah, that's one of the, the big things in, in life that I'm pursuing is travel. And I think photography is something I can take with me anywhere mm-hmm. and something that I can still grow with. Even if I don't have a stable home spot, if I'm just spending a lot of time traveling, I can just take a laptop and my camera and go to coffee shop and upload my pictures. And yeah, so... In this digital age, you can do almost anything. Exactly, yeah. With the with the power of technology, we are we have infinite capabilities. I took the group of students that toured into Oaxaca, and one of the things that I loved about that is seeing it through your guys' eyes. And you guys went with this wonderful, really wide open. Let's see this place. Let's experience it. I I know nothing. I hardly know the language. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was definitely a. A period of observing instead of kind of processing. I just kind of threw myself out there and I'm not a very social person. So putting myself in a brand new country that I've never been in around 
tons of people I didn't know during a very busy time during the Gelegetsa, which is their, their annual festival. And being in that moment was just really kind of mind opening and let me kind of just experience this whole different culture. So Austin, tell us the story of depression. Okay, I guess we could start from the top. I was born in Nashville, Tennessee. My biological parents were not the, the greatest of people. They had a lot of different problems from drug use to to abuse to bad household activities, et cetera, et cetera. I was the youngest of uh, six, so um, luckily I didn't have to grow up too much with it. I was taking my CPS and I was in foster care. My adopted parents decided that they would adopt me, which was my, my dad and my mom now. Uh, my dad was my uncle at the time, so I'm blood related to him. I was in foster care for about six months, so that was kind of a weird point in my life. It's not that I remember it, but it still kind of had a lasting impact on me. Kind of the person I am now is a little bit defined by that, but... After going through that, my parents were married really young. They ended up getting a divorce when I was about mm, six or seven. My dad moved to California. My mom stayed here in Arizona near her parents. And it was kind of just me and my mom for a while. I would visit my dad four times a year. So it was kind of like a joint, like a, like a split household. My dad living one life, my mom living the other, and I kind of went in between both of them. So it was a little, it was a little strange. Doing that as a kid, traveling so much, like flying four times a year, but it worked. It was good. I had a good connection with my dad, and I still do, and I had a good connection with my mom, obviously, because it was just us two for a while. Growing up, though, I was a very quiet person. I think I got it from my mom. She was always kind of an introvert, and making friends wasn't my strong suit. I was kind of the, the kid that was locked on the computer the whole time. It was kind of my outlet and the way I kind of um, was able to escape what was what I felt was wrong with my life. Yeah, so growing up, I was just kind of this quiet kid in the back of the class. I didn't have no friends, but I've had very few. I had a select few. I've had the same same two friends throughout most of my life since since eighth grade. I've known my best friend since then. We're still friends now. We still see each other probably every week. But I was never one to be extremely social or to be the the popular kid at school. Growing up, it was it was weird because I didn't know really what I wanted to do with myself or what life had in store for me. I kind of had a lot of expectations put on me. My parents wanted me to do, you need to do this, you need to do that. You go to college, you need to have a good job. But you should also do what you want to do. And it was kind of weird balancing it all because it's like, well, if I want to do what I want to do, it's these other things, but they don't line up with what my parents want out of me. And as a kid, it was kind of hard to to find the happy medium of that. Now that I'm older, it's like, okay, I go to school and I, I get a good job, but I can still do those things in, in the things that I want to pursue. Yeah, throughout throughout high school, I was in a couple different relationships at the time, and they weren't very healthy. I was with this girl for about a year, and it was just not a, not a solid experience. It kind of left us both pretty pretty drained at the end of it. I ended up leaving high school my end of junior year because I needed to get away from it, and I moved to Florida. Uh, where my dad was, and I stayed there with him for a year working, kind of getting away from that whole whole problem and scenario. And that kind of taught me a lot about what it is to have a relationship with somebody, not just romantically, but but mentally and spiritually and all that good stuff. The thing with high school relationships is that you go into it liking the person for kind of their external personality and the way they look 
instead of what's on the inside and what they really care about or how they feel about different subjects. And as you get older, you start to learn that there's more than just a, I don't know, a physical connection. And there's a lot more layers to what it is to have a good connection with somebody. And I think that's a big reason why depression is so prevalent in people my age or people in high school is because connections aren't that real. It's like what you were saying earlier with a genuine connection matters and there's people that are technically your friends, but you just go and do stuff with them instead of getting on a real personal level. And more so now with the age of technology, we dive into Facebook and social media and that's where we have our friends and that's where we can go and, and see what our friends are up to instead of actually being like, hey, let's grab a coffee and talk about life. Let's actually do something. Let's actually talk about things. And it's more of just like, oh, this is my list of friends. I have 350 friends. And yeah, I don't know. Growing up an introvert, not having many friends, being just me and my mother and a friend or two, it kind of, you feel a little isolated, even though you have people around you that care about you. But you see so many people that express that they have a lot of friends or they, they know a lot of people or they do a lot of things and you're just kind of the guy, the hermit in his, in his cave that is happy with his personal space and you think maybe something is wrong with you or you're not right because everybody else does it a different way. Also having a split household was tough, living kind of two separate lives and my mom and my dad not having kind of similar viewpoints on how to raise a kid. So they were always kind of battling it out, trying to figure out what was best for me. And their intention was only that they wanted the best for me, but they didn't know how to kind of balance that between the both of them. And it was kind of weird because I would go from one scenario, my dad would do one thing, and then I would come back home and my mom would question why he did that or or what the purpose of it was. And after high school, I took um, about a year and a half off. I went and lived on my own for about six months. I had my own apartment. I had a job. And I ended up getting really depressed then as well because I didn't feel like I had much going on in my life. I was just working this dead-end job that really didn't lead me anywhere. I was, every month I was becoming more and more in debt because I wasn't making enough money. And I was, I was too depressed to get another job or to put more effort in to get more hours. And it was all because I just didn't know what I wanted to do with myself, with my life. And it ended up just going really downhill and I hit rock bottom. And I had to move back in with my parents and tell them about the whole situation. And I ended up going to rehab for about a year, kind of an intensive outpatient program. But that's kind of when I realized that when you're, when you're at rock bottom, you realize that whatever is bad in your life right now, somebody else has it so much worse than you. Like I may have some debt. I may not have my apartment anymore. I may have to move back in with my parents, but there's people out there who can't even feed themselves or, you know, have lost their kids and have nothing. And you kind of realize that the opportunities that you have in life are there for only a moment and you need to just grab them and use them. Take advantage of the situation that you have. You may be lucky enough to have an opportunity to do something even though you may not want to do it at the time. When you hit rock bottom and you're at the point where you believe that if you died today, you would be happy, you start to realize, well, what is the purpose of your life in general? And it is to be 
happy and to make a difference in somebody else's life. It's not just all about you. And you start to think about, okay, what can you do in this life? If you would have nothing and you can do whatever you want, what would you want to do? And how could you help others around you? And and you re- when you reach that point, you start to really, I don't know, appreciate all the little things that you have. I moved back in with my parents. I started my intensive outpatient program. That went really well. I started to learn a lot about myself, what I wanted out of life, what I wanted to be as a person, the experience I wanted to have throughout this life. And things started to get better. We started to build back that relationship with my parents that I had lost in the meantime. I started to find more genuine connections with my close friends again. I started to dive into more conversations about things that mattered instead of things that I wanted or had or, or recent events in the celebrity scene or these different things that aren't really important in life. And I started to realize that out of all the things that I wanted most for myself and for others was a life that was purposeful and genuine and fulfilling. And if I could help myself and help others kind of get to that point and not have the people around me experience what I experienced, then I say it was a life well lived. So I started going to school again. I actually did really well. I was never good at school. I started to diddle dabble around different major ideas, starting with art, just a visual fine arts major, to painting, to now photography. I think I've kind of found my little nook in the universe, and I'm able to pursue something that I am passionate about. I guess since I found kind of what I've wanted to do with photography and traveling and building these connections with people, depression is still prevalent in your everyday life, but it's not that it's a bad thing. Depression kind of needs to be there. It's kind of that happy medium. It's it's part of that yin and yang. There's always got to be that darkness and then you find the light. Without the sadness, you can't have happiness. And without the duality of the subject is that depression kind of helps you figure out what you want in the situation. Because if you're, you're depressed about something, you're like, oh, things are going the way I want them to go. I'm not getting what I want out of life currently. You kind of start to think about, okay, well, how can I make this better? What can I do to find that fulfilling thing that I'm looking for? I don't think without depression that we would have any of the the greats in our world that we've had before. I think depression has kind of been the basis of finding who somebody is as a person, finding the message that they want to spread, and then pursuing that with vigor because without a kind of drive to do something, you're not going to really make anything happen. And depression is kind of that drive. It's like, okay, I've been sad and I'm done being sad and I want to do this now. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it's, I think it's strange that we as a society instantly go to label everybody to have a different mental illness. Like, oh, you have depression. Oh, you have anxiety. Oh, you have this or that. I don't think it has to generally be a certain thing or you were diagnosed with a certain thing. I think everybody's going to face these things in their life and it's should be more about how to overcome these things and identifying why you have certain things, why you have depression, why you have anxiety, because it's not something that, I mean, you're going to live with it your whole life, but it doesn't have to consume your whole life. It can be something there that helps motivate you and you can use it in times of when you're in the doubt or where you're in the depression, you use it to be like, okay, I am depressed. Why am I depressed? What can I do to make the overall situation better? 
so depression for me has definitely brought me to rock bottoms, but it's also shown me what I want for myself that makes me happy. So thanks so much for your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. I just wanted to pull out of that a couple of things. I relate a lot to what you said about depression not just being like this bad thing that you have to get rid of, but something that shows you something or teaches you a lesson or helps you see something deeper. And that so much of the history of creativity (laughs) has a component of depression in it. Not that everybody has to be deeply, darkly depressed, but that most musicians and artists and poets and writers they have these moments and if you let yourself experience it something comes out of it yeah rather than it being this culturally it's a label you're depressed you're a depressive you know you're the state we gotta fix it as opposed to it being an an internal balancing system. Like, okay, I could run around going, having fun, 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 and never think about a darn thing. Yep. (laughs) Or I could go deep where you can can learn something wiser, older, deeper, different. In your generation, I thought that was another thing that was very interesting, is like the kind of online experience, social media experience of life. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're so connected to our devices that we have lost the connection to other people. It's more of a profile-based society now instead of a personal-based society. We decide to have these connections online and we forget that these people are real as well and we can still see them in person even though we haven't seen them for a long time. We can still reach out and say, hey, let's let's grab a coffee, let's let's go get dinner or something. And, and that's kind of a big... A big thing about dating as well now is it's all online. There's there's apps for dating. You you get on Tinder, you get on you know, you get on these these sites and, and that's how you, you find a date. It's not a you don't see people going up to somebody in in public and be like, Hey, let's let's have a conversation, let's go get food or something like that. You don't you don't really see that as much anymore. So yeah, I think I think a big reason why people can seem like feel like they are depressed is because of social media and how much attention we put into it and it does make us feel definitely more isolated and and disconnected even though it's supposed to be a a connection yeah yeah one of the things that kind of disturbed me with just different people i've known both friends and family members whose kids are about your age is the amount of time that they spent like in the basement, on the computer, right? Yep. As opposed to my kind of backyard experience of my childhood, six, seven, eight years old, you would be in your backyard or in your neighbor's backyard or running up and down the street or riding your bike. And that my, at least my experience of your generation, just in friends and family, and you know, I don't have kids, but that was a small component, but a large component of the experience of being a kid was being alone online with an avatar it's literally like what it kind of an avatar is is that each person has this fake presentation of themselves that some of it's true some of it they wish was true and then it's this you know facebook there's this perfect self stuff that people yep. put out there there's not a lot of authenticity and the, that's what you're interacting with your avatar their avatar rather than interacting with them by playing in the dirt and getting your hands messy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's strange because growing up as a kid, I would have those outdoor experiences. I would 
I would run around, I would go skateboarding in the streets or biking around the neighborhood. And then as I grew older, being the introvert that I am, I started to just sit on the computer. That's how I spent my time after school, is I would sit on the computer and play games. And now growing up, I realized how much time I've wasted and how many things I could have accomplished with that time, how many connections I could have made. And I have it all for showing what. I don't really have anything to show for all that time. So I think it's it's important that you really get out there and, and you you kind of experience the world instead of experiencing a device or the internet. Yeah. Real connection doesn't come from your avatar interacting with their avatar. No, no it does not. <laughs> and I really see Facebook as a kind of, I don't think people think of it that way. But it's it's an avatar of you. And it I think it tends to make everyone feel deficient, too, because everybody else seems to be having a great time. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're yeah. actually, if you think about it, at home on their computer posting these things. So are they having a great time? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, one of the things about Facebook is it's kind of your, your resume for society. It's kind of where you put all your best moments. It's where you put your best pictures. It's where you kind of your way of putting yourself out there and be like, hey, look, I'm actually doing stuff. I'm... I'm participating in the world, but really it's just, um, yeah, more, more disconnection. It's yeah. And in the past, when I think of writers or artists, it is a solitary thing. We're talking about being the hermit, being the introvert. Artists have to be able to spend 15, 20, 30, 40 hours straight by yourself in your studio. Writers, the same thing. If you're going to write a novel, that is time alone with your brain. Yep. <laughs> it's not social. <laughs> and so that being said, it's weird. Like in the past, you would have really been alone in with your work and with your creativity. And now we're so rarely that actually alone. You could be in your studio and be listening to NPR and have people texting you on your phone. It's You don't get to be alone with your thoughts in the same way. And I almost think that so many people are experiencing depression because it gives them the chance to not engage. It actually forces you to isolate. And I'm not saying isolation is good, but like truly, truly taking a break and going inward. It's not a culturally acceptable thing. Now, when you get to the depression where you don't want to live and never want to leave your room again, it's not healthy, but a little bit of really quiet time is something I think we were starved for it maybe in our culture. Yeah, a big solution for depression was me was actually meditation. And that's just the act of sitting quietly, clearing your mind and trying not to think about anything at all. And that was a big, a big part of my recovery process was meditating every day. And yeah, it is kind of just that, that time alone. You try not to think about the problems or the things at hand and you just kind of absorb the moment and you let yourself be. And that's becoming more and more rare now. Like people are like, oh, meditation? What are you, a monk? What are you, like, some kind of guru or something? It's like, no, you just you just sit there and you be with yourself. And I always, every time I would come out of it more refreshed, I feel like I have more energy, feel more clear-headed. Like even a, even a quick three-minute meditation, I'm in the car, I'm about to go into class or something, and I sit there and just close my eyes and I meditate for a couple minutes, and I go in feeling a lot more attentive, I feel a lot more peaceful, my heart rate's lower. It just said overall it helps the experience. So yeah, that's something that we don't do is we, we freak out. Like when something goes wrong, we freak out. We write about it on social media. We call up our friend and we start freaking out, but we don't, we don't give ourselves that, that time alone to just kind of process the situation. Well, that is a perfect way to end the show. Thanks well, so much for being on the depression session. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for having me.
I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.